Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. Here, here's the trouble that we get into. When uh, the questions that, that you ask the answers to those questions, when that becomes our sense of self, when the, the answer to the questions that we've asked become the things that inform our belief about who we are. But what happens if we define ourselves by uh, whether we're married, single, whether we have kids, what, what, our work, what we do for fun, if that begins to define who we are, what happens when we lose the marriage to divorce? What happens when we get fired from our job? What happens when our social circle changes, when people move away and we're no longer connected with the people that had given us this sense of who we are? See, our identity, our identity is really personal. And when those things that we believe inform our identity are challenged, we run the risk of losing our self, our self in the process. Tell me who I am. That's where we're going for the next three weeks. Tell me who I am. Have you ever heard someone, has anyone ever said to you as they did to me as a teenager, Maybe I was, I'm not sure exactly what, what precipitated this, but who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Jesus says to us, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Who does he think he is, some might say. But who do you think you are? Eric Church sings a song. Any Eric Church fans in the house? He has a couple country music fans. He sings a song called Crazy Land. Let me take your hat, friend. Tell me what's the matter. Round here, folks, call me the Mad Hatter. The sad in the corner with his heart on his sleeve. Talking to regret who's never gonna leave. Over there playing pool is fool and lost. Tending bar tonight, that's all my fault. We all just hang out and listen to blues, sing his songs. There's nothing else to do in crazy land. Here in crazy land. Pick you out a stool, son, I'll buy the first round. I'll tell you how we're leaving, brought the whole house down. No, not that one, that's sorrows. He's over shaking hands with, I told you so. That's out of his mind that just walked in. He's old insane's new best friend. It's whole, there's a whole, whole big room full of lost who's who's. And you never know who you're gonna run into in crazy land. Here in crazy land. Do you find yourself in crazy land? There's about 11 descriptions in that song. Sorrows. Guys have sorrow. He's, a, 
he's adapted to being a man of sorrow. A person that says, I told you so. Yeah, I told you so. Negative mindset. Then there's the guy that's out of his mind and he's old insane's new best friend. It's a whole room full of who's the lost, who's who's. Maybe you think of yourself as an athlete, a mom, a construction worker, maybe a failure or a misfit, a cook or a baker, a loser, maybe you're a teacher, a musician or a geek. But who are you really? You guys, what do we do when the experiences of life, when the pain of life, when the insecurities, our struggles and our failures begin to define us? How do we overcome this? I, I, had, a, I had a friend whose dad was a trucker, and you talk about that when the load got real heavy, he'd have to downshift to make the load more manageable. What do we do with this tendency to simply manage this load that we carry? We're just downshift. That'll make things a little bit easier for a little bit. Brenda likes to watch... Well, there's a Netflix show called Virgin River that she's, she likes to watch, all right? And what'd you say? Oh, I managed to sit through it. It's a, call, a show called Virgin River. I think the... Uh, like the lead character is a nurse practitioner who runs into hard times in LA and moves north to a northern California town. And she does that to get away from what was. And guess what? She finds what was also followed her to that northern California town that was so different from LA, very remote. Things should be different. But the identity that she had of herself in LA went with her to that Northern California town. You cannot experience, get this, let me just pause. If you're gonna take notes on any sermon, today would be the day to take notes. There's gonna be a lot of scripture and you're gonna wanna go back and check this out. You cannot experience who you are until you first see who you are. Let me say it again. You cannot experience who you are until you see who you are. To see who we are in Christ, to see who we already are in him, is to see our true self. See, being able to see who you are right now, as your heavenly father sees you, which by the way, as your heavenly father sees you is actually true sight. You can only do this if you're enabled by your helper, the Holy Spirit. See, few of us ever truly see ourselves the way that we are through Jesus. And so we remain blind on this journey that we're on. This morning, I just want to say to you, the time has come to gain clarity. The time has come to see yourself clearly. So we should see how then does our Heavenly Father see us how does our Heavenly Father see us right now, at this moment? 
Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, it's going to be on the screen behind me. This is going to inform us, inform us how God sees us. How does God see us? See, in order to see who we are in Christ is to already see us ourselves in who we really are. This week I had an eye exam. And it was an annual thing. Go in to have an eye exam. And um, it's the usual thing. Number one, number two. Number three, I don't know. Go back to number two. I don't remember. Number two. All right. So you back and forth until the vision is clear. So that's all great. But you still, you know, if you need glasses or if you need contact lenses, you still got to put them in your eyes in order to see. That's simply a test to see how can we help you see better. Last night I'm at a restaurant and I'm, I'm looking out towards the front doors and I'm wondering like, what in the world? Like, I cannot see. My vision is like, when I'm reading it's fine, but my vision at a distance was, was not good. And so when we got home... Um, as I usually do, I took my, my, my contacts out to put my glasses on. Well, I'm surprised this morning this eye is not black and blue because I tried so hard to get this contact out of my eye. This contact helps me see distance. It wasn't there. Somewhere along the line, I don't know, I thought I put it in, but it wasn't in there. And try as I might, I couldn't get it out because it wasn't there. So it is with our spiritual vision. If we're going to see clearly, we've got to have things in place. The relationship with Jesus, we believe, gives us sight that is clear. It helps us to see ourselves and others with clarity. So in Ephesians chapter 1, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus. You'll see the words, there's certain words that are gonna be highlighted. Those words are highlighted because those are descriptions of you and I as followers of Jesus. I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Jesus Christ. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Because we are united, united, the opposite of united, we are united, the opposite would be separated. We are not separated, we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us. He loved us. The opposite would be he despised us. He did not despise us, he loved us. And chose us. There you go, we're chosen we're not rejected. We are chosen in Christ to be holy and without fault. The opposite of without fault would be living in guilt. We are, chosen, we, are, we are without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us. The opposite of being adopted would be to be spiritual orphans. He has decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom. We are free people. The opposite of freedom would be to be enslaved. 
We are, we are purchased with the blood of his son and forgave, he forgives us. The opposite of forgiveness would be to be convicted. He forgave our sins. He has showered us his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance. When we receive an inheritance, we are no longer indebted. We've received an inheritance from God, for he chose us, there it is again, in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God, and now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own, here you go, by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Studying this and hearing these promises, these beautiful words of truth, we take them in, we hear them, we take them in, we receive them, and yet we still often, we find ourselves, don't we, blindly stumbling, groping around in the darkness, condemning ourselves and our brothers and our sisters, clinging to the lies that have promised to give us significance, that have promised to give us meaning, that have promised to give us acceptance in this life. And if that wasn't bad enough, to make things even worse, Jesus teaches that we are to be perfect in John 14 and John 17, he says it again. We are to be perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect. As he is, so are we in the world. As I am, he says, so are you in this world. How can we, as fallen human beings, how can we ever attain perfection? Why would he put such a great expectation on those of us that he already knows we have this, like this propensity toward failing, even in the minutia of the details of our efforts toward right living? You have to ask, would he, would he be asking for the impossible? Is he asking for the impossible? Let's read that again. He says, be perfect. You know what? He doesn't say, he doesn't say, become perfect. He says, be perfect. See, our identity is in him. He is in us. We have become one with him, and he is perfect. This is the great reconciliation of the cross. Let's, let's keep going. Remember what Paul says. By the way, all these scriptures, Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote all these scriptures this morning. Galatians 2.20 this is what Paul says. He says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body. I just live as this human being on this earth by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, this truth, this truth about being crucified with Christ, it doesn't, it doesn't compute in our normal way of thinking. 
You died with Christ. The old you is gone. The new has come. To comprehend this mystery is to have spirit-inspired insight. Again, the Holy Spirit will inform you of the truth of this statement. The problem is, is when our old mind tricks us into thinking that our old self is still in existence. That when we find ourselves once again stumbling around in the dark, trying to make sense of a world gone mad, blinded to our true identity. This is when the enemy, again, begins to speak the lies that tell us we are not who God says we are. In Ephesians 2.6, we read, For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. See, following Jesus means that our old self is surrendered and crucified with Christ. And because of this, we are raised with him and we have new thinking. See, a, a renewed mind. Paul, all of these scriptures this morning, I'm reading this in preparation and I'm thinking, why is Paul so fixated on this new way of thinking, this new mind, that we are crucified with Christ, that our old life is back here, our new life is over here? And I think this isn't, this isn't like, I don't know that this is a, an official word, but I have to believe that Paul, if you, if you know who he was, Paul, murder, he was, a, he was a murderer. He was involved with murders of innocent people. He was, he was out there opposing Jesus and his followers. Do you, can you imagine the kind of renewed thinking that Paul had to, had to, had to, cre- had to have? You don't, you don't live that kind of life without some repercussions in the way that you think. So when Paul is, is, is imploring us to new ways of thinking, I believe he's imploring us to do this because he had to implore himself to think rightly. This wasn't just for us today. It is for all of humanity. It is for all, the whole church, Big C Church, to renew our mind so that we can follow Jesus in the way that he has called us to follow him. If we step into a new way of thinking, it'll be a catalyst for a new way of living. A new way of thinking will cause a new way of living. We are now seated with him. I am in you and you are in me, Jesus says. In 2 Corinthians 5.17 Paul writes, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. If you have any doubt, if you have any doubt, I want you to know that anyone who follows the way of Jesus has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. We have a new identity. We have a new identity in Christ. You guys, the Father's realm, this, the, the spiritual realm is closer than your very breath. If he is in you and you are in him, the Father's realm is closer than your very breath. Can you imagine the difference in your life if you begin to grasp the truth of your identity? You are in Jesus and he is in you. Will we as humans still stumble and fall? Yes. But there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. There is now no condemnation. That's good news. There's now no more condemnation. Let these words sink in from Colossians 2. 
Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world, rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives the fullness of God in a human body. So you, here it is, so you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. When something is complete, what does that mean? When something is complete, it no longer needs correction. So you need to ask. I need to ask. Are we complete in Christ? Or are we incomplete? We should be clear about that. If we are in Christ, then we are complete. See, only our awareness, only your awareness, only your experience of that completeness is in any way lacking. You are complete, not perhaps, or maybe, or sort of. Now the accuser, the accuser who, who trades in deceptions and lies would have you believe in the traditions of man. He would have you believe in the empty philosophy of this world. He would have you believe otherwise. But any other teaching apart from this is deception. So don't be deceived. Paul writes to his protege, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 3. He says, as a warning about all the lies that are going to want to come and, and infiltrate your mind. You should know this, he says, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends. They'll be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. Timothy, stay away from people like that. Sometimes I read scripture passages like this, and I, and I, I wonder, did Paul have a vision of 2022 and 21 and 20? We're not into 22 yet. God help us if we completely, if we keep doing the things we've been doing in 22. Maybe you haven't considered your identity. Maybe you haven't considered the ways in which you think of yourselves recently. Many of us have been so busy thinking about the well-being of everyone else and maybe you've slipped into that dark space of neglecting your relationship with yourself. Our tendency often is to push it down, send it away. Time is of the essence, and I don't have time to deal with this right now. But now we see things dimly, imperfect, or imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just as God now knows me completely. So if you haven't reflected on who you are in Christ or who you are as a person recently, now's a good time to start. Now's a good time to start. But just know that no matter how much work you do with 
claiming your identity in Christ, figuring out who you are, there's still some things that are like looking in a mirror dimly. You won't see everything with complete clarity. But Jesus in you will inform you of those things that do need to be seen with clarity. Brendan and I were talking about the level of confidence that we're seeing emerging among you guys. Confidence in who you are, speaking into situations. And we talk to a lot of you. We talk, we talk to some of you on a one-on-one basis. We talk to you about your relationships. We talk to you not just about your marriage relationships, but sometimes we have conversations about other relationships that you're in. And there are, a, we, I could list off a whole number of you who in recent days have found your voice. And it seems to me that you're beginning to align with who God says you are. You're not backing away from difficult situations, but you're stepping into them. You're stepping into difficult situations. You're speaking life where there was death spoken before. You're speaking with clarity where there was confusion. You're not doing that on your own. You're allowing Christ in you to emerge, to be your identity. You are learning what it means to listen to the spirit already at work within you. I believe in therapy. I believe in good counsel. We all need that from time to time. But our deepest sense of self must ultimately be found in who God says we are. Not in categories, not in roles, not in our successes or our failures, but in God himself. Would you stand with me? See, when our identity is rooted in Christ, what that means is that we have begun or are learning to live into the sufficiency of his grace, his salvation, his love, his purposes for us. And when we do that, we don't need to worry about losing ourselves in the day-to-day of life. Again from Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 1, for all of God's promises, this is for you and I, for all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. Can you say amen to that? Yes. It's true. You and I, we don't always live as holy people. We don't always live as called out as those living into the redeemed life. We don't always live like we're free from guilt and shame. But don't make any mistake about this. It doesn't mean that we have lost our place in the shelter of the Most High. Our identity in Christ does not change. But when we identify as one who follows the way of Jesus, when we align ourselves with the most high God, we continue to become more like him in thought, more like him in word, more like him in action. This morning, I hope this is an encouraging word. 
whether you're in the house this morning or whether you're online this morning, this word is powerful. It is for you. It is to bring clarity to your life so that confusion and chaos don't need to be a part of your thought process anymore. I believe in this moment. I believe in this moment that the tender uh, grace and the love of Jesus calls us to repentance. This is the way that he brings us to him through words and actions of repentance. See, we've been called and created and redeemed for a purpose that far exceeds what you can see at this moment, what I can see at this moment. But in my experience, it's only when I surrender my purposes and my, my hopes and dreams to the one that created those hopes and dreams and those purposes in my life. It's only when I surrender all of that to him, when I lean in to what he's called me to be. That's when Jesus becomes a reality in me where I can actually step into a greater degree of aligning with him in my thought and my word and my action. So who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Let's go back to Ephesians 1. What are those words? I am holy. I am faithful. I am united. I am loved. I am chosen. I am innocent. I am free. I am forgiven. I am debt free. I am filled with the Spirit. You guys, see who you are. See who you are. See who you are. Then be who you are. Safe at your Father's side, with and in Jesus. Perfect, even as your Father is perfect. Can I pray with you? Father, we, uh, we hear this word. And to hear words like, you are perfect. And when we subscribe to that as human beings, it seems at once impossible and it seems arrogant. When we say that we are complete and when we then hear the words, we don't need correction, it seems arrogant. But the truth is that you have made us perfect. You have made us complete. And when we live that out, we live in a place of humility and so God, as we even now try to rethink and reshape our thinking around who you've called us to be, that you've made us perfect because of the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. God, you now see us through that filter. You see a perfect human being created in your image. You see us as complete. And so where there is doubt and confusion this morning, Father, I speak against that. And I, speak for, I pray for clarity to be in the house this morning, that we would have clear thinking about who you've called us to be and what we are to become. Make us a people 
Make us a people that are filled with your spirit and alive to your word, alive in you. God, I'm grateful for this word. I needed to hear this word. And I pray, Father, as we, as we go throughout this week, that these words would come back to us, that we would claim to be who you say we are, that we are people of love, that we are faithful, that we are holy people, that we will not be diminished by the words of the enemy, but we will stand up and we will come against those things that are not true about us. And we will live into the truth of who we are in you. In the name of Jesus, we pray these words. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family.